forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning on winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hey there, welcome to Comic Book Commentary. I am today's guest. My name is Heath Corson. I am a writer. You might know me from some of my animation work, uh, which includes Justice League War, Batman Assault on Arkham, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, uh, Justice League Action, as well as my comic book work, which I'll be talking about today. Uh, you might know me from the Bizarro miniseries that I did with Gustavo Duarte, as well as my Detective Chimp story that I did with him, and um, Nightwing meets Magilla Gorilla, which I just did for DC, which was an amazing experience. Um, but today, I'm going to talk about the uh, Adam Ant five-page backups that I'm doing in Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Uh, this is a really interesting story because, actually, uh, it was Griffin and Dematis, Skeffin and Dematis, who were writing these, and they wrote them for Scooby-Doo number 30 as well as number 31, and it turned out for some reason that they couldn't continue. So I had just finished uh, Magilla Nightwing and I had called up my editor, Jim Chadwick, and said, Hey man, what else do you have? And he said, Nothing, but we'll keep you on the list. And then they needed someone to step in for the Adamant and it needed to be fast and it needed to be uh, someone that they had probably worked with before and knew could handle it. And Dematis threw me up for the job and said, How about Heath? Corson, he can do it. He already has some ideas. And the editor, um, Harvey Richards, called me and said, uh, or emailed me and said, Hey, Dematis says you're the guy for this. Are, are you cool with this? We would need a script like ASAP. And I was like, Well, how soon's ASAP? And he's like, We would need it by tomorrow. And I was like, Yeah, no problem, considering it's five pages. And Dematis and Geffen had already sort of laid out the structure for what these stories were going to be. Uh, I think they knew it was going to run from 30 all the way to 36. So I was going to be able to do five of these five page backup stories. They had set up the voice of Adamant as sort of this. Uh, first of all, I'm working with uh, Gustavo Vasquez, who's my artist, who is unbelievable and amazing and a guy who I have been watching for a really long time. So to get the opportunity to work with him is spectacular. And Gus had redesigned Adam Ant, which I had seen. And it's so much fun. If you haven't seen it, go look it up online. Uh, he'd given him these mandibles in his mouth. He'd given him like this really cool helmet and the, the shirt. Uh, so Adam Ant was a really fun redesign. And the idea for the story was that Adam Ant and a plant named Itty, which is a real character in DCU history, were both competing to be members of the Justice League. Uh, the story, the first story was called A League of His Own. And it was Adam Ant and it was Itty sitting on the watchtower waiting for their trials to start while Batman and Superman were sort of 
realizing this ridiculous situation that they're in when Wonder Woman walks by and they said like, hey, let's make Wonder Woman do the first trial. So I loved this idea that they had come up with that a plant and an ant which is the name of my spoken word album, actually, The Plant and the Ant, uh, we're going to compete. Itty doesn't talk. Itty is a plant. Itty supposedly has powers, but doesn't really do anything. And Adam Ant is this boisterous, talkative, uh, aggressive, sort of superlative character. And the way that they had written him in the first couple issues was really fun to me. And I really liked the relationship between him and Itty because it wasn't that they were competitors. They were, Adamant had sort of said, you know, okay, cool, we're best friends now. And we're both going on this amazing journey. And I, I loved, I really clicked into that. And I loved the sense of Adam Ant as, as just this big fun, uh, character who had apparently had existed forever and finally was going to join the Justice League or, or wanted to join the Justice League. So I really thought that was a really fun idea. And I had read the first one and I had read the Wonder Woman one and they struck me as playful and they struck me as really fun and, uh, very much in the spirit of Scooby Doo Apocalypse, which gave you a little bit of what you knew in in the Hanna-Barbera warm, fun world, but also sort of challenged it by doing something completely different. So I read the first one. I read the second one that uh, Geffen and Dematis had done, and they had really set up these trials, each one with a guest star. And I was like, great. And then they'd even thrown, given me the toss up for the next story, which was going to be a Green Lantern. And I was like, great. And it's like, but it's not the Green Lantern you think. It's going to be Nort. Now, as a fan, I'm well on record as being a fan, like the world's biggest fan of Justice League International. And that is Giffen and Dematis as well. And so for this guy who I idolize, who I happen to be friends with, and I consider a mentor, uh, J.M. Dematis, to say to me, like, hey, here's Nort freaked me out. And so they said, okay, well, we need this, we need this script like ASAP. Like, well, actually, the, the first, let me back up. The editor had said, what would you do in these five pages? And I said, okay, here's my idea for the story. Uh, they're going to do a typical in space Green Lantern version, which is very much the vintage Star Trek where we're going to go see a planet, but we're not going to get involved. We don't want to um, get into... Uh, um, we're going to test our restraint on these uh, less advanced societies. You have to make sure that you're you're showing restraint and not introducing them to everything that you know. And I thought that was a really fun setup. And I said, okay, well, what if they're what if they're cats? Because I knew Nort was kind of a dog, and they're yellow cats. And I, I remember these sort of space stories uh, of the Green Lantern Corps, where they would be dealing with something that was just sort of a galactic happenstance. That uh, wasn't really something evil or bad. It was like a space cloud that made everybody super aggressive. And I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I. I think I came up with that, but I remember things along those lines. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. It's this yellow space cloud that makes things super aggressive.
aggressive that makes these yellow cats aggressive and we're going to pit them against Nort. And the editor was like, well, that sounds good, but how are you going to do that in five pages? And I sort of laid out the pages and then they said, uh, great, go do that, please, and get it to us by tomorrow. So this was all also the reason I could do that was I was not working in full script and this was my first time not working in full script. And for those of you who don't know what that means, full script is when not only do you do the layout, but you also add all the dialogue in the sense of in in order to get this done as quickly as possible, I wasn't going to do the dialogue. I was just going to tell Gus, the artist, exactly what the story was, allow him to do the layouts and really, you know, do the pages and, and, and get everything set up art wise. And then I would have the time afterwards to go back and, and put in the dialogue. This was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, Dematis had worked that way a ton and had said he, he'd really enjoyed it because it just allowed him on that pass to focus on the voices of the characters and not really worry about anything else. So I was that was a leap of faith. I was really excited to do that and I I wrote five pages of what I thought it would be and I said, "All right, well it's it's here, it's this, it's that and here's the the overall story and here's how I think we can effectively do that." And then I started to get pages back and um I was I was super impressed. So I'm going to walk you through the three published Adam Ant stories that are out there right now. And that is uh, number 32 uh, with Nort, number 33, which is with the Adam, and uh, number 34, which is with Superman. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about what might be coming down the pipeline with the la- with the two final stories. And then as we wrap up uh, the Adam Ant backups. So the first one in number 32 is North North. West Passage, and that was a story title that was uh, gifted to me by Dematis, and I got very, very excited about it. And we open with Nort and Itty and Adam Ant flying through space. And I just have to say, the second panel, I adore the way Gus draws Adam Ant with the mandibles at the side of his mouth. And and I made a note of going, you know, I really want to do something with those mandibles somewhere down the road because I really wanted to play on the fact that this is still intrinsically an ant. Itty is still intrinsically a plant. So let's let's heighten those things and and find ways to play with them. And I feel like we did. So Nort tells us that that they are going to um, go on this planet with the radioactive energy cloud, and they are going to. Um, pristine prehistoric planet and they're just going to go hang out they're going to take a look it's going to test their restraint in influencing less advanced societies and and we already know that something's going to happen to make them totally get involved so down on the ground we see the yellow tigers are uh, getting their lassos ready they lasso nort and they yank him down to the surface of the planet as he goes screaming um, they hog tie him and Adam Ant tells us, look, Itty, I know that I could really jump in there and I could uh, knock everybody down and save the day, but we, we really shouldn't do that. We should stay out of sight. Maybe we should just watch for a while. And then it turns out that they are going to um, sacrifice Nort into the great haze cloud. And uh, we had we had this was interesting because I realized I had kind of backed myself into the corner that I have these giant yellow uh, 
tigers that are snuffing and growling and and purring and the ring had to translate what they were saying so i had to make sure that the uh the ring which was the green translation was telling us exactly what we do so they go to the high priestess the high priestess is going to sacrifice nort into the giant haze cloud. Uh, Adamant and Itty are going to stay and hang out and, and watch him. They think maybe they'll offer him dinner or something, but no, the offer is an offering to the great haze cloud in the sky. And as they start to raise him, Nort tells us, well, he's worried because his ring isn't going to be able to protect him because it is a yellow haze cloud and the radiation is going to kill him. And that's when Itty and Adamant show back up, and I knew that uh, uh, we're on page three, so I knew that they uh, had to do something. Also, at the top of the page, I like the idea that all the the the, the giant yellow cats are chanting, and their chanting sounds like "wow, wow." Um, I love sound effects. I think sound effects in comics are a lost art, and they make me super super happy. So I always want to find unique and fun sound effects rather than typical sound effects also um the other one on the page here is they're 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 using this weird sort of dentist chair to raise him up from the Aztec pyramid like society into the cloud and of course the guy is doing it and it says because I thought that would be really funny that even though they're they're gonna raise him all the way up into the yellow haze cloud no one has actually oiled the equipment for a while. So I, I thought that was funny. So Adamant shows up and Adamant gives this rousing speech and he's like, you could do it. We could rise up. Don't worry. And Nort tells us like, I don't know what you think I can do. I'm tied up. It's not going to happen. And then, um, Adamant says, no, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your fleas. And then we see an army of fleas, which I, I found out later when talking to Gus. Um, he was not super happy about because we were under a time crunch for this story. And he hits the bottom of three and he sees an army of fleas. And he's like, son of a this dumb ass writer. And so I was like, oh, no, I didn't even think of that. And I was like, I gave you all this stuff to do. And he was like, I know, I know. But, you know, we got it done. So this army of fleas, which I figured, of course, Nort, the space dog, would have space fleas. Um, and that was once I sort of figured out what that story was going to be. I, I, the space fleas were the things that cracked it wide open for me. And I worked backwards from there. The space fleas all go down to the yellow tigers and they start making them scritch a scratch, scritch a scratch, scritch a. And then again, we have these great sound effects, scritch a scratch, scritch a scratch. And let me also just point out these hi fi colors because I think these colors are unbelievable because the yellow of the haze cloud is different from the yellow of the planet, which is different from the yellow of the space tigers. Um, Gus has got these guys with their. <laughs> on all fours with their hind legs behind their ears, scratching themselves. And uh, I just love the idea of this 
primitive society of space tigers all with now getting fleas and scratching themselves since i have a i have a little cat that i love and and she always scratches herself and i thought that was that was really cute um, because it's we've turned them from mighty warriors into little house kitties and and that made me that made me laugh so now nort is up there and he's stuck because he's up getting going to the the haze cloud and he's like oh no this is this is going to be big trouble and then this was the other sort of crack i had was that uh itty photosynthesizes the killer cloud and absorbs all the uh the the bad mojo of the radioactive space cloud which i'm certain this is not how science works but he's itty is a uh, an amazing space plant that wants to get into the justice league so he eats the space cloud and synthesizes it and i even put in nort's mouth one of my favorite lines which is i mean it makes sense plant wise but honestly i did not see that coming which I hope is what the audience is thinking as well. Uh, meanwhile, the, the, the tigers are all dealing with space fleas and they are scratching and scratching until Adamant tells them to command them to end. And the, the space tigers are like, what? This guy is great. And then this was the other part that was a little wonky because I had the tigers talking to each other, but we needed to see what they are saying. And of course, Nort isn't there. So it's not the ring translated. So that I needed to translate it from their tongue. Um, so my editor pointed out, you do more translation in these five-page stories than we've done in some entire books. And and I did have to take that on the nose. I was like, yeah, you're right. I, I just didn't know how the ring would be translating while it was up in the yellow radioactive space cloud. Um, again, things you don't think of when you're working very, very quickly. And um, they thank Adamant for doing this to them, for freeing them from the horrible scratching, as well as from the space cloud, which was making them aggressive. And I, I thought that was really fun, And is that they thank Adamant for it. They all start roaring. They thank their liberator, Adamant. We have some great roars here. And, and of course, they think Adamant is so fantastic. They shake his hand, and they've carved his face into the side of a mountain to thank him. And once again, Nort calls out, to be honest, I'm a little floored that you did that so quickly, but they are uh, galactic space tigers and they have great claws and carving abilities. So they just, they did that into the side of the mountain. And it is the opposite of not influencing societies. So, Nort knows that the core is going to be extremely upset with him. Um, but on the other hand, Adamant is like, look, I did it. We did exactly what you said. We kind of won the day. So he gets the win. Um, although Nort tells him, uh, we're going to call this one a draw because after all, it was Itty who sucked up all the uh, radioactive space cloud. He was the one who actually saved the day, even though you helped with the space fleas and I didn't die. So it's, uh, it's a draw for these two. And um, what I also liked that Damatis and Geffen set up was that the last panel of the page teases uh, the next story. So I really liked this idea that we have a picture of the atom 
and adamant and itty all posing together under the microscope. This is actually a complete lift from a, um, I believe it was a Maguire cover for maybe a Justice League International where they got small and uh, you showed them posed under a magnifying glass. And so that is a reference to that. When I got the job, they asked me what the um, people that I wanted to have them team up with down the road. So I sort of thought, well, who do I want to use? And they were like, we'll use some big names. So I said, well, then I want to use uh, the Atom because I thought it was great to have the Atom and Adamant. And then I wanted to use Superman. And then they're like, we'll throw Batman in there. And I was like, great, let's do a Batman. And then I was like, and then we'll do the wrap up. We'll see who actually gets into the league. And, um, they were like, great. So now I knew that the next one was going to be called When Atoms Collide, because I thought, well, you have these two huge atoms, Adam Ant and the Atom coming together, and they're going to collide and uh, give us a whole bunch of energy. So I'll, I'll jump right to that one, which was um, issue number 33, uh, where we open on the watchtower here and I love how Gus draws the watchtower and uh, I love I love Gus's thinking Adamant he's like I'm so bored I'm ready for this and Adamant wants this to be a big big event he wants this to be huge he just wants to really get out there and make a big splash so I wanted to do anything I could to sort of set up the fact that this was going to be big and big and big and then we undermine it with him going hey down here I'm the Adam so we get Ryan and uh, the new Adam, who I love, and I love his suit. And then, of course, the thing that Adamant is going to do is make fun of his height, because you have to imagine that Adamant has has always been sort of mocked for his stature and his size. And I really like the idea that that, that would roll downstream, and he would make fun of the Adam and be like, oh, look how cute you are. You could put you in my pocket. Um the first sort of crack for any story for me is finding the voices of the characters and how that's going to dictate um, what their relationship is. And so that was a really fun thing. I thought, OK, well, what is the main relationship between uh, Adamant and the Adam? And, and I got this idea that Adamant sort of always patronizes the Adam and tells him how cute and small and tiny and and fun he is, which is something that I've always heard about Adamant. And so. I really like that notion that he would pass that along. And the Adam is sort of like, dude, I'm like an inch taller than you. <laughs> and Adamant's like, yeah, yeah, but you forgot about the antenna. So they go on this adventure. They're going to go into the uh, microverse and uh, check it out. And Adamant tells him, if you get any smaller, I'm going to have to <laughs> carry you into my pocket. By the way, Itty's bigger than both of these guys, which which totally makes me laugh in this, that he's, he's sort of bigger. So they're going to get really, really small. And... Um, I actually get a couple couple pages where they just sort of mess around and call each other names, and he calls them short stack, which <laughs> makes me laugh, makes Adam Ant laugh. I love the way Gus draws him giggling here. And then, uh, boom, we're in some atomic world, and uh, it's it's a little disorienting. Yeah, it's it's kind of wacky. You got all sorts of weird things floating around, and Adam Ant's a little disoriented, and he goes to. Um, 
I thought, well, what, what, what can he do? He goes to sort of pet this weird globule and the Adam's like, no, no, that's a virus. You don't want to poke them. That's, you don't want to go anywhere near that. And, um, you know, when, when you're writing these stories, they're, they're pretty quick. You got to get to something fast, fast, fast. And yet you want to hit it really strong on the page turn. So I like the idea that, um, Adam Ant sort of tells us that, oh no, this is going to be a big, a big issue because at the page turn for, for three, he says, oh, I just thought, you know, that was cool because there were so many of them. And the Adam's like, there's what now? And then we see like, oh, there's a lot of these viruses and, and they touch the Adam and we see that, you know, he starts again with my sound effects. They start eating through his suit and we're like, oh no. And then they all sort of like glob onto him and they're eating through the suit and they're controlling his suit. And we're like, oh, they, they seize control of his, of his, uh, armor. And then I really like this little moment here on um, four where Adam Ant says, you know, get behind me, Eddie. I'm going to solve this the way that I always solve this with my fists, um, which is very much <laughs> Adam Ant and very much the way that he's he's been doing things is Adam Ant has this great atomic punch that he's dying to whip out all the time. So uh, here's some action happening. He goes to swing at the atom, but the atom actually shrinks and gets out of his way and uh, then goes and attacks Itty. Which was something that I found in the plotting of this. I was like, okay, well, what what can the Adam do? Well, he, he's coming at Itty, and uh, that's Adam Ant's best friend, even though it's his competitor and arch rival. But you know, it's still his his best friend. So he's like, oh no, it's Itty. Leave him alone. And uh, he goes to punch out the Adam again. He winds up. This is all he knows. He winds up, and uh, of course, since Itty is a plant, he. Uh, sends an antibacterial emission through this plant-like mouth, uh, and the gas, poof, he'd give a big poof, he gives a little poof of uh, spitting this antibacterial emission onto the atom, releasing all the viruses. They all roll up and they all uh, discolor. Again, big, big ups to hi-fi for this. The problem is that Adam Ant is still wound up, and he didn't know that was happening. That was just a little moment that happens with the atom and Itty. And even though these things are all falling off, um, Adam Ant says, I'm coming, pal! Wham! And he hits the Adam and uh, knocks him so hard that the size control mechanism fails and they grow to be their normal size. So, Adam Ant uh, tells himself, well, congratulations to me. I accept the point on this one because I, I saved us. I brought us back. Um, and he says, you can't, no need to thank me. And you can't because you are out cold. Um, but he probably accepts the win. And now who is next? And then from behind him, we see the big red S and we hear that would be me. Um, and the next episode is going to be called Super Ant, uh, which I thought was sort of fun. It sort of fit with all the different titles that uh, Geffen and Dematis were were writing. And so that was the next one was going to be Itty and uh, Adam Ant 
teaming up with Superman. Um, so that is the most recent one that you have in your hot little hands, and we will we will go right jump into that one. Um, this is one of my favorite ones because. This is when I started to realize that as long as I was writing these stories and they were fun and they were on time, uh, they were really letting me do whatever I wanted to do. I mean, I had used Nort, I had introduced Yellow Space Tigers, I had used the Atom, and I really wanted to pitch push the envelope here. So I pitched to my editor uh that I was going to use Superman, but I also was going to use some some other guests in the Superman universe. And to his credit, Harvey really didn't blink. And so I was like, cool. And so I submitted a script with the Legion of Super Pets, which has <laughs> Crypto the Super Dog, Streaky the Super Cat, Comet the Super Horse, and Beppo the Super Monkey. These are all real characters. I made up none of them. Um, I'm sure fans will, will know about them, but I thought, what could be weirder than an ant with powers and a plant with powers? Oh, a bunch of animals teaming up with him. So, that really made me laugh. Um, we follow the same structure with our establishing shot up top of the Fortress of Solitude. Gus draws an amazing uh, classic Fortress of Solitude. Animant sort of calls out the obvious, which is Superman doesn't have a lot of furniture in there. I really love using Adamant as sort of a, uh, a catalyst to talk about... Um, some of the odder things in the DC universe, like, uh, well, there's, there's really, why, why don't you get any furniture in here, man? And it's a little cold. Of course, Superman doesn't notice that, but, um, you know, he doesn't need to turn on the heat in the Fortress of Solitude. But Superman wanted to do something a little more fun. He wanted to do something, uh, um, I wanted to find what was a super, trial with an ant and a plant that could actually be really fun. And I thought, well, if I can use the Legion of Super Pets, the idea would be they're going to play tag and they're just going to chase each other around the entire world. And there was a version of this script where they just did that. And I realized that I was sort of missing some of the super stakes. We were invested in Adam Ant's struggle and we were invested in Itty, but there really wasn't anything else happening. So I wanted to introduce Midway. Um, there was a, a, a problem that, that Adam Ant was rubbing all these super pets the wrong way. And there was a problem and, um, he was going to go solve the problem, and yet they were still going to play the game, and he was going to lose the trial. But I wanted to show that he was a hero, and he was willing to lose the trial in order to to save lives. And all the super pets sort of realized, like, yeah, they needed to do that as well. So they all pitch in to help, and he sort of earns their respect through that. And I thought that was a really a really fun thing to do. That even though he might lose this point, he gains their respect. So that was where I started for this story. Uh, I loved introducing the Legion of Super Pets. Gus, Gus draws at the bottom this sort of very heroic, uh, it's the end of the, the slow motion walk. They're all posing and they're all beautiful. We're at the bottom of one and they're just all hanging there and, and we get this great hero shot of all the Super Pets. And then I realized 
they don't talk. The super pets don't ever talk. So how's Adam Ant, who's a talking ant, going to communicate with these guys? I was like, well, maybe Beppo can use sign language because he's a super, super monkey. Um, I don't know. It, it, it all felt a little odd. And I was like, oh, no, how am I going to get past this? And that's where I hit upon which something that's maybe my favorite bit in the story, which is, uh, well, there's two things that are my favorite bits, and I think they're both on, well, three things. Okay. You know what? I'm going to walk you through all the things. The first thing that I love is on page two, which is Adamant says hi, and now they're out of the heroic pose. They're all acting like animals. And I thought that was really funny because very rarely you get to undermine these super heroic animals by watching them act like animals. So Gus draws um, Crypto scratching an itch behind his ear. Streaky's cleaning herself. Comet is grazing for, I assume, ice in the Fortune of Solitude. And Beppo is just sort of sitting there scratching behind his ears, totally not understanding what Adamant says. So then this was my other idea that really got me excited, which is, well, Adamant has antenna. Why doesn't he just tune his antenna into their wavelength? And, uh, he does. He tunes them like they're, like they're old rabbit ears and finds their wavelength. And he gets a little snippet of Streaky and Crypto talking. You know, Streaky's, um, mad. She doesn't want this, um, this, this play date to miss her nap on the sun. And, uh, Crypto tells us that the strange ant creature stinks of damp earth and over enthusiasm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden Adamant says, Hey there, guys. And I wanted to make sure that they're, they're, you know, they're like, wait, you can understand us. And he's like, yeah, I tuned into your wavelength, which I thought was great. Cause now all of a sudden I have the ant can totally understand all the other characters and now they can talk and now they can interact. And, um, to me, that was a really fun way to use, uh, Adamant's innate antness uh, as a crack to sort of unlock the rest of this story. So now the characters can actually interact. So the notion is everyone with an S is it, and they're all going to try to tag Adamant and Itty, and uh, then they're just going to go, they're going to play. So on your mark, get set, go. They all go. They zoom off through the Fortress of Solitude, except for Itty, who is gone. Itty has disappeared into... Uh, I, I don't know if it is a him or a her because he's a plant, um, but let's just say the plant's um, vase. He goes right into the pot and disappears. Superman looks at it and says, interesting. And then we cut to um, around the world. The, the the all the animals are chasing each other, and they're all trying to get Adamant, and they can't get him. And they're going all around. And finally, Crypto says, "I got him! I got him!" And he sticks his super tongue out. Which this I have a full full disclosure. This big moment came from my dog named Tucker, uh, who looks like Scooby Doo, and uh, he sticks his tongue way way out. And I thought that was a really fun little moment that he would stick his tongue way out and tag out of math with his tongue. 
And also, it got me to my third favorite moment in this bit, which is finally I got to use the mandibles that Gus had designed on Adamant. So, Crypto tags him, he spins around, and then he tries to go, and he realizes that Adamant has him caught in the mandibles. His tip of his tail is caught in his mandibles. Um, and I like that idea that Adamant is almost equally as strong as Crypto, and the two of them struggle for a bit, which I thought was fun. Um, this was a very hard page to pace for me. Um, I think Gus lays it out beautifully. And once I sort of was very clear about what it was I, I wanted, I wanted the notion of this sort of tug of war back and forth between Adamant and Crypto. And finally, Crypto to sort of push forward and rip out of his mandibles and that rip throwing him off and sending him flying through a uh, passenger jet and uh, smashing through one of the engines. Um, so, Crypto cripples this jet and Adamant tries to call timeout. Streaky tells us there's no such thing because she's a little bit of a prissy kitty cat like my cat and uh, she plays by, her, by, by the rules and says, absolutely not. We, we, I'm, I'm going to come tag you. And he says, well, I don't care. I'm going to go save this plane. And he goes under there and he's like, come on, leverage, because he's tiny. Even though he's super strong, he's worried about this. And that's our, our page turn, which gets us to the shot of all the heroes helping him save this jet because they all realized uh, off panel. Yeah, we really got to be helping this guy. He's doing the right thing. It's not going to be not going to be right for us to penalize him. I love this picture of <laughs> Comet, the super horse, using his back, and everybody is helping, and they save the plane. And then we have the hero shot, and I, and and Gus nails this loving look of Crypto to Superman, and he's just so happy. You know, he's just looking at his uh, his best friend, and Superman tells us like, "That's amazing. You guys did a great job. Thank you so much. It was great that you saved it, but I kind of have to play by the rules. We still need a winner." And there's Eddie. Idy has popped out of the out of his pot. And he says, well, this one goes to Idy because Idy was not tagged. And uh, then all the, the animals are trying to make Adamant feel a little bit better. They call him the Mighty Might. Uh, they say maybe you could put on a red cape and you could be Super Ant. Um, one of my favorite pieces of dialogue I, I found after the fact when I was doing my lettering pass is uh, Comet says, Nay, I say, which I think is one of the only things he says in, in the whole book. But it sounded very much like Comet, which I think was always sort of the... Um, the leader of the Legion of Super Pets. He was sort of the haughty leader, and I, I picture him as very um, high status, and I, I wanted to use him very sparingly. And then uh, for our our next one, we tag Itty and Adamant sunbathing on the bat signal, and uh, that lets us know who we're dealing with next. And then all we see is uh, uh, off panel, Batman is saying, get down, um, which I thought was pretty funny that they're just hanging out. And then the next one is called uh, In the Belfry. And I can tell you that it takes us to uh, the Batcave, where they are going to have to figure out a mystery that Batman concocts. And Adamant finds a way for it all to go wrong. And it is a my favorite classic version of the Batcave with the giant penny and the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the... Um, uh, 
the giant Joker card and all that stuff. And I love the way that, that Gus draws it. And I'm excited for you guys to see it. So, uh, and then our last, uh, issue is going to be number 36, where we will wrap this up with something called award season. That will be our last, uh, story where we'll see who actually gets into the Justice League and, uh, all of our guest stars will be together. And talk about if we should let Itty or if we should let Adamant in and what finally happens with these two characters who uh, I've grown to love. And I hope you have, too. And have grown to be best best friends. Um, by the way, Itty is an actual character. He was um, a companion of Hal Jordan's, I believe, and a number of Green Lanterns. So anyway, go look him up because he is real. And uh, he, he, it was ridiculous. It was just the right level of ridiculousness that they added Itty in this with Adamant. And it, and it made me laugh a lot. So I, I knew that that was a character I really wanted to make sure I could use and um, pay good tribute to as well as Adamant, who is a, a fantastic Hanna-Barbera character. And, and I just adore the way that Gus has designed him. So read these stories. Um, oh yeah. And also the, the Scooby-Doo apocalypse stories are not too bad either. I would, I would very much recommend those. Um, they're drawn amazing. They're so much fun. They, they capture very much all the good Hanna-Barbera dynamics, um, that are sort of grounded and yet, um, push and pull into really fun uh, zombie apocalypse world by um, Dematis and uh, uh, Geffen, I believe, uh, or just Dematis from this point on. So, check those out, because the Scooby gang is a, is a really fun, pliable set of characters, and it's fun to see them utilized and played with in a, in a completely different forum. And uh, Jam Dematis is a genius, and I, I'm a huge, huge fan of his, so please go go check those out. And read the rest of the Adam Ant stories. Go back and take a look at them, and, and yell at me on Twitter at uh, my name, at Heath Corson, or you can look at me on Instagram, which is at H Corson, uh, which is really just pictures of the dogs and the cats that I own and how they influence me <laughs> making comic books and how I try to put them in stuff um, and uh, pictures of wine and food that I'm drinking. So really, the Twitter is where you want to be because that's <laughs> that's going to be actually about comic books and stuff. But um, I want to thank Ben Blacker for bringing me on this and for finding a great way to do um, a comic podcast where he needs to do absolutely nothing except make the writers come in and the artists come in and do all the work. And uh, that is just vintage Ben Blacker to me. So congratulations. Ben, there's no way that you listened all the way to this point. So hopefully um, you all can yell at Ben Blacker on Twitter at, at Ben Blacker and uh, tell him, hey, thanks for letting Heath on. Uh, bring him back and uh, tell him way to go, way to crack a great idea and make everybody else have to do it. So thanks so much. This has been Comic Book Commentary. I will be back when I have more stuff to talk about um, or just to to bug Ben Blacker. Uh, I'll probably come back and we will talk about the last two Adamant stories. So stay tuned and Excelsior forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.